Uh, it was just a little over two years ago now, uh, the day that will live in infamy. Uh, on June 13th, the year of our Lord, 2008, uh, my family and I were making our way up, as is our custom, to a shop. Yeah, this time we were headed to the Nordstrom Rack looking for undoubtedly basketball shoes or something. And uh, we routed over to talk to Pastor Stan. Pastor Stan and I had had a chance coffee a couple months earlier during a district council. And we're talking about perhaps uh, me joining the team at a later date. So I mentioned it to the boys and uh, my son, Kyle, responded in a very godly fashion as we were driving across the campus here uh, by just putting his fingers in his ears and saying, bye, 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 I can't hear you, I can't hear you. So uh, we went to Pastor Stan's office, just not to worry, it's in the future, it's just an idea, whatever. And so we all piled into his office, he's, you know, they're family friends and, and uh, saw the John Wooden, bas- you know, signed basketball and the angels began to sing the hallelujah chorus. And, uh, and Pastor Stan, you know, was, was showing us this picture that many of you have seen uh, of the master plan of this Boone's Ferry property and was talking about what's happened and what's going to happen in the future. And you, you know, Stan, it was kind of, you know, kind of boring. We kind of had to get him revved up a little bit. And uh, so was, was painting this very compelling picture for us. And so we were sitting around in the chairs and and uh, he said, he said now, now, Jay, you know, what do the boys know as far as our conversation? And I said, well, they know of the possibility. And here are the words that would forever change the Anderson family. I know we talked about the future, but we want you now. And uh, so all of us, as it were, were kind of thrown back in our seats. Our eyes get this big. And uh, six hours later, with our heads, you know, spinning, after a tour of this campus that Pastor Stan set up, I'm convinced, he, he says he didn't, but, but the Horizon basketball team, boys basketball team was playing Cascade Christian in summer league basketball. That was a preview actually of the state championship game that year. Principal George Crace was here, Scott Olson the trainer was here, you know, all these people are here, hey, how you doing, you know. So six hours later, we finally make it to the Nordstrom Rack. And I said to Kyle, I go, so what do you think about what you've heard? And it went from da-da-da-da-da to he got his finger out, pointed it at me, and said, Dad, don't blow this. (laughs) Quite the change uh, as a result uh, of hearing this incredibly compelling vision, and and our family was convinced that this is where we were supposed to be. And uh, here we are, two years and two months later. But I came across, a staff member gave this to me, And I hadn't read it until just a couple of weeks ago. And some of you have heard this. But it's a vivid description of the new Horizon High School by Stan Russell. I see a school where the name of Jesus is lifted up without fear. A place where students are encouraged to come closer to Jesus Christ and follow him with their whole lives. A school where the teachers and leaders nurture students and train young people from the word of God. It is a place where prayer is happening on a regular basis where true fellowship is taking place and where the fruit of the Spirit is alive and growing in the students' lives. I see the best facilities available, large classrooms, great science, math, and computer labs, carefully manicured and groomed ball fields, large gymnasiums, and a beautiful fine arts and music center. I see students being taught to use the most advanced technologies in video, sound recording, and multimedia equipment. I see several hundred high school students being educated by skilled, caring, and godly teachers, coaches, and staff. I see leaders who give their hearts as well as their minds 
to help these young people be all that they can be for God in this world. I see the whole student body loving God and others. I see them reaching out to the surrounding communities, cities, and needy in the greater Portland area. I see students being raised up to maximize their potential in God, to change the world with the great gifts he has given each one of them. I see a school that will be very large and make a regional impact. It will have students from scores of of churches in the area. It will have academic strength, the top-notch sports program, the very best training in music, and most of all, a heart to lift up Jesus Christ to all who hear. The talent, creativity, and excellence associated with this place will cause many to look closely and say, truly God raised up this school for his glory. And this was written in June of 2002, four years before the doors of Horizon first opened. And for some of that, we can say praise the Lord, and for some of that, we have still got our work cut out for us, but that is a compelling picture of what we're about and where we're going. I uh, asked our administrative team to put a list together of some of the wins from this past year for the schools, and it was, it was quite a list, and I give you an abridged version of this list. We had an explosively successful, again, el- elementary school auction that netted over $150,000. And uh, from that, we were able to save our music program, PE, Spanish, computers, and art that's being cut in a, a lot of schools in our area. And it also included a $50,000 uh, investment in the infrastructure of our technology on the Sagert campus that's brought many uh, uh, cameras uh, into the classroom, uh, video projectors, document cameras, and uh, smart boards and so on. $50,000 invested, that's pretty cool. Uh, Many of you know that we're transitioning our middle school back from this campus back to the Sagert campus and and we're turning Building D, which used to be uh, the Children's Ministries Department back in the day, uh, into a middle grades uh, wing and so we've got Uh, lockers going in there. We had another significant donation that allowed us to put new carpet in there and benches and we're going to work on lighting and it's just a really cool place. And amazingly enough, we are are moving them from one campus to another, inconveniencing them uh, in a great way and uh, and we've grown in numbers uh, as a reward. It's pretty amazing. Um, we, uh, We have a beautifully remodeled library on that campus. This past year, we gave a crate full of teacher supplies and curriculum to a school in Uganda. Uh, Students, led of the Holy Spirit, which they're encouraged to do, stepped up for a number of projects over the course of this past year, including sending water, fresh water to Rwanda, Toys for Tots, Locks of Love, Ministry to Haiti and Mexico, and Royal Family Kids Camp, to name some. Character banners, if you drive onto that campus, you'll see some of the cutest banners adorning the parking lot. And last year's batch and the new batch that just went up were all designed by students. And it's talking about the character qualities that are being developed by the the, uh, students and teachers on that campus. Mass scores, from third to sixth grade, we put a concerted effort and we've seen in our test scores across the board arise. Uh, our iSmart program, which focuses on multiple intelligences. See, we believe that every kid is smart, but we just need to find out what is that area that they've been specially wired and gifted. Some of them are number smart, some are word smart, some are nature smart, and some are music smart, and so on. And we look towards fanning those gifts into flame through a program called iSmart, which is tremendous. And every chapel 
on Wednesday always ends with the prayer and ministry time around the back where staff and even other students are praying for students. It's exciting. Uh, we're starting our 30th year, by the way, on the Sagard campus uh, in, in the elementary school. Middle school uh, started just a couple years after that. High school is going to be starting our fifth year uh, this year. You've heard about the athletic successes. You know our pastor gets pretty wound up when you know we won our uh, first two state championships. But there was great academic success as well. This past April, we had a full accreditation team that came and visited our campus and, and gave us approval with flying colors to not just be provisionally accredited with the Northwest Association of Accredited Schools, but we have a full uh, enthusiastic accreditation and that is a very big milestone for us. Uh, this year, we're launching a new assessment tool that will allow us to test students up to four times a year instead of just once. Isn't that good news, students? It's great. And we, get, we will get the results within 24 hours and be able to, in real time, give our teachers that feedback as well as teaching strategies to help them to immediately employ some of these changes to continue to see our students develop academically. Very exciting. Also exciting that because of a Murdoch grant of a quarter million dollars that we got a couple of years ago, which saw a beautiful science lab on this uh, campus also saw a new wireless uh, uh, network uh, be, be uh, established on this campus this year as well as some new laptops so now we can run uh, this program because of that investment. Last year in the drama department we had over 30 students involved in our first year which is significant because it represents over 20% of the student body. Last year we, we had one act plays that were just delightful. This year stepping up to a full musical, which I'm told is going to be Fiddler on the Roof and you'll want to come to that. Um, we had our first two international students this past uh, second semester from Germany and China. We had a serve day in conjunction with Westside Christian that saw about half of the student body involved in multiple locations in the Portland area. We had a highlight graduation this year where we had our first graduating class that went freshman through senior that walked across uh, th this stage. And of the about 27 students that graduated last year, about 20 of them had gone all four years. And five of them had gone all the way from preschool all the way up through uh, gradu graduation. That was pretty fun. This year, the Oregonian in just our fourth year, ranked us as the number nine uh, 3A school in the state in what, what they call the Oregonian Cup. Um, pretty significant. And then, to me, very significant is in the area of spiritual formation. It is a priority that is continuing to unfold. We hired this past year Brad Tebbett, who is a tremendous gift and is developing not only our Bible and spiritual formation classes, but our chapel and other service areas. And uh, one of our staff members said uh, during an assembly late in the school year, said, you know what? Our, our chapels this past year are the best that we've had by far. And uh, our, the highlight to me was seeing during a spiritual emphasis week, uh, Donnie Moore comes in and speaks at the end and 100% of the student body responded to the altar. Pretty exciting. Pretty exciting when parents say, like they've said to me recently, that everything changed for the better for their kids when they came to Horizon. One of their kids just was a four-year graduate this year. Now, I share all this not to be an infomercial for Horizon Christian Schools this morning, but rather as kind of a small stockholders report. We as a Horizon Community Church family 
all change, all share in this significant and life-changing work. It is not easy for a church and a school system to coexist together happily. And I'm happy to report that we do here. There are many situations that don't. We are ones that do. And I believe it's a tribute to the leadership past and present and to this body past and present for the vision and the commitment and the passion they have to this significant ministry. So I say thank you and I hasten to say I believe the best is yet to come. Let me also invite you to come out. You're gonna hear about and you'll see invitations to what is called the Miracle in the Making Tour which we started this past year. This is not simply a facility tour, but this is a vision tour. And we're introducing the horizon to many people in our community. And for some of you, that would be a really significant time to be able to see firsthand what it is all about here. It's really very exciting. All right. Recently, we were in Helena, Montana, on vacation seeing family and spending time, as is our custom, at my wife's stepdad's ranch in Helena. And we're talking to uh, their next door neighbors. And... um, And the gal Jody was describing her church to us. And it was very, very compelling to me how the the pastor of that church is painting the picture of what they are to be all about in Helena, Montana. And it was two words, gather and scatter. Gather and scatter. As he was painting the picture, as uh, as she was passing this on, he challenged the congregation with this. It should be noticed or felt by our community if we're not around and involved as a church body. Gather and scatter. I believe this reflects very well what we're all about here at Horizon Community Church and what we should continue to be about. Now, Pastor Jenny spoke a couple of weeks ago and that was a powerful, powerful message. In fact, if you can get the podcast or the video podcast of that, I would highly encourage you to do that. Uh, there, was a, there was a video clip there uh, that those of you that were uh, here for the service will remember of Mr. Rogers. And he was singing to uh, a little boy who was a quadriplegic and, ta- and saying, I love you for you. It's not just for the things that you do. It's not just for the fancy chair that you drive. I love you for you. And halfway through that, that little boy began to sing along with Mr. Rogers. And I'll tell you what, that was just powerful. In fact, I, uh, uh, when Pastor Stan came back from sabbatical, I was talking to him prior to the next week, and I said, wow, it was so good. I said, I'm just so glad I'm not the one that has to follow Pastor Jenny the next week. And it was Pastor Stan, and uh, so I, I texted him, you know, after, after his message the following week, and I said, I said, oh, Pastor Stan, that was a great message. I said, it wasn't Pastor Jenny, but it was a great message. <laughs> and he vowed that I would be following Pastor Jenny next time. So uh, just exercising the gift of encouragement uh, that God has given me. So uh, Pastor Stan makes this statement. You've heard it a hundred times if you've heard it once if you've been around here. And that is this, at the end of the service, he will end by saying, the service starts now. The question for us is, how seriously do we take that mandate? Now, I love good pictures, I fancy myself as a writer of stories, but I most certainly do not fancy myself as a maker of pictures, but I am very compelled by pictures. If you go to my office, uh, you will see that I love pictures, and uh, I am 
fascinated by great pictures, especially uh, pictures that are created by our students, which this picture that is up here was created by one of our students. Christine Swanson is her name. And uh, someone from the first service said, we couldn't see it over here. So I'll, I'll kind of try and show it to you a little bit if you've not seen this before. What's amazing about this picture is not just the obvious talent of one of our seniors that just graduated this year, but what's amazing is some of the students remember the chapel service where she painted this during the chapel service from start to finish. That is amazing, all right? Uh, that is compelling. And this, this is actually the, uh, the wallpaper on my cell phone. I just absolutely love this picture. So in, enjoy it. If the message starts to struggle a little bit this morning, you can still enjoy the picture, all right? Um, but I am not... Uh, I am not the, the, uh, the, the maker of, you know, great pictures. I mean, if I picked up my palette and uh, took this empty canvas and uh, began to paint, uh, you would be left with one question as you left service, and that is, what is that? All right, now with, with modern art, there is hope for us kind of unartistic types, right? Because you kind of go by, you know, some of these parks and you just kind of, really? What is what is the significance of a gigantic paperclip, you know, in this park? I don't know. All right, but anyway. Um, but, I am, but I am a lover of pictures, and to me, the term gather and scatter is a very compelling picture. So if you would allow me this morning to paint that a little bit for you. The compelling call of God for us as individuals and as a corporate body is to both gather and scatter, is really where we're going this morning. Let's talk about gather, and specifically the beauty of the gather. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching, the day of Christ's return it is referring to. Now, one of my sons um, said to me um, growing up, and I'm sure this is unique to our family, I'm sure none of you heard this uh, on the way to church at any point in your growing up, uh, the, the, the uh, growing up of your kids, and he just said simply, Dad, do we have to go to church today? And we responded, of course, with, and you can say it with me, son, we don't have to go to church today. We get to go to church. All right, and there it is on your notes. We don't have to go to church. We get to go to church. Now, there are some times I know where it feels like we have to, all right, but we get to. And he responded in his, uh, you know, young little guy wisdom by saying, Dad, why do we have to get to go to church today? <laughs> Never forgotten that line. That's great. All right. But the reality is this. It is to all of our benefit to come. It is. Because our, our kids are going to, you know, grow up someday and make the decision and hopefully have the same conversation with their kids. Do we have to go to church today? All right. And you'll make the decision whether or not you're going to go. But it is to all of our benefit to come, to be encouraged in our faith and to be spurred on towards love and good deeds. It is also a reflection of the very heart of God. Luke 14, 23 
the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be full. In the context of this passage, Jesus was telling a parable of a great banquet with scores of invited guests. And one by one, the guests had their excuses. So the master sent his servant to the streets and alleys of the town in order to bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. When that was done and there was still room, the master then sent him out again to the far highways and hedges. You see, the heart of God says, whoever will may come. And it is very compelling to me that the philosophy of Horizon Christian Schools has been a whoever will may come philosophy. That's a big part of the reason why I am here. You don't have to sign on the dotted line that you are already a committed follower of Christ in order to be able to come to Horizon. You realize that we are intentionally going to be presenting Jesus in the hopes of you becoming a Christ follower. And there is going to be a standard of morality here that perhaps you're not used to, but you can come and you're welcome. That's a compelling picture to me. The same is true of the church of Jesus Christ, or should be. Whoever will may come. This is not an exclusive club. This is not just for the who's who of our community, although they are certainly welcome. But the door is wide open to the poor, the neglected, and the overlooked. This place isn't just for the movers and shakers, but rather the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Our schools aren't just open to the smart, the talented, and the athletic, but are open to all who will come. The the impressive 60-foot cross on the lawn to my right and your left should stand as a statue of liberty to our community where Jesus is saying, just like the inscription, by the way, of the Statue of Liberty, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. That's exactly what Jesus is saying to our community through that cross. And that is what we need to continue to be saying like a blowtorch to our community. You are welcome. Whoever will may come, especially, especially those who are yearning to breathe free, who have been tossed to and fro by a cruel cold world. Come and breathe free. It's also to me a picture of heaven. This beauty of the gather is a picture of heaven. The uh, oft-quoted John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus is saying. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Now, there have been many pictures that have been painted of heaven. This is one of my favorite. After University of Oregon football coach Chip Kelly passes away and enters the pearly gates, God takes him on a tour. He shows Chippy a little two-bedroom house with a faded University of Oregon banner hanging from the front porch. This is your home, coach. Most people don't get their own houses up here, God explains. Well, Chippy looks at the house, 
then turns around and looks at the one sitting on top of the hill. It's a huge two-story mansion with white marble columns and little patios under all of the windows. University of Washington banners line both sides of the sidewalk with a huge purple and gold W banner hanging between the marble columns. Thanks for the home, God, but let me ask you a question. How come I get this little two-bedroom house with a faded Oregon banner and new coach Steve Sarkeesian gets a mansion with all these new husky banners that are flying everywhere? Why is that? And God looks at him seriously for a moment and then replies, Chippy, that's not Steve's home. That's mine. (laughs) That's the picture of heaven that I choose to embrace. (laughs) Don't leave, don't. All right. (laughs) Actually, Dick Foth, who's a regular guest uh, of Horizon, uh, he's, he's just absolutely one of my favorite speakers. And he painted this picture at one time, and some of you have heard it, because we, we in America, with our subdivision mentality, when we hear about Jesus preparing a place for us, that's the picture that we get. Who gets the mansion with the marble columns, you know, up on the hill, with, you know, with gold on, you know, the, the, the ground that's just a little bit more of a pure variety than, you know, than there. And, and who gets the bigger mansion with the bigger, you know, wide screens and, you know, whatever. That, that's how we're inclined to think. And he says, the picture is of this Mediterranean house where when they would live together as a family, they would continue to add rooms on to this mansion. So it wasn't separate mansions on separate streets, but it is God saying, I have got this big mansion in mind for you. And when you come to me, I am going to, prepare, I am going to add a room on to the house for you. That's really the picture of all of us being together in this wonderful mansion called heaven with the Lord. That's compelling. And that, that is part of that gathering heartbeat of God. Because oftentimes it's us that want to segregate ourselves into exclusivity where it's God that's saying, I want to gather you all. You know, the Bible talks about Jesus praying for Jerusalem like, like a hen that wants to gather the chicks with his wings. That is very much the heart of God and the picture of heaven. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now here's the beware, however, of the gather. In Luke 12, Jesus is telling a parable and he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many, many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich God. Our calling as horizon is to do more than fill our barn. Now, our barn has a special significance, I've come to realize, being a part of horizon, and that is this. The design of this building 
in future buildings has elements of the original Saggart family barn that's down, you know, where this body of believers used to meet on Sunday morning where we still have our elementary and middle school campus where I have my office in what used to be the Saggart family barn that's been, you know, converted many times. And so when I moved in, they said, you've got the pig trough over there. No, that's not what they said. But, but it is, you know, the old barn. And so you get, you get some of that. So this has, it, this has more significance for us. But the reality is this. As individuals, we need to be on our guard against all forms of materialism. We are not immune to the pressures and the temptations. But the same is true for us as a corporate body as well. Our calling as Horizon Community Church is more than just to jam this building on Sunday morning. Now, let me hasten to say, let's fill this building on Sunday mornings because there is great value, as we talked about, in the gather. But our calling goes beyond just that. Let's jam our homes with fellowship and life groups and so on, but our calling even goes beyond that. See, there is a danger not only of personal prosperity thinking, but also of corporate prosperity as well. That attitude, whether it's spoken or not, our church is bigger than yours. Our church is better than yours. Or perhaps the belief our church is significant and yours is irrelevant. We are called to build his kingdom. That is our call. Now, Pastor Stan, for those of you that know him well, is the most competitive man, bar none, that I know. He's the most competitive man I've ever played basketball with or so on, all right? He is very competitive. But I hasten to say this. He consistently, and he does, speaks blessing over the other fellowships in our area. In fact, there are times where we as a body have taken special offerings to bless the churches in our area. When he goes around and talks about Athey Creek and he talks about Solid Rock and he talks about churches just down the street here, he is always gushing with, oh, that is a man of God. They're doing a great work. Oh, that's a phenomenal church. Oh, it's just so great. Speaking blessing over them. The end game is this. All church bodies in our area flourishing and bearing fruit. The end game is the life and influence of Christ being extended to all, being extended to all. So we have a compelling, extremely compelling calling. And part of that calling is a gather, but it's also a scatter. The beauty of the scatter is this. Acts chapter eight. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. But, Paul, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who'd been scattered preached the word wherever they went. It's beautiful. The plan of God was beautiful. Now, God often uses what appears to be a really bad thing for really good purposes. The martyr death of the man of God, Stephen, was truly a tragedy. The corresponding persecution and scattering of the believers was a crisis. And through these two events, 
that the early believers would have written far differently what happened. Wherever they went, they preached Jesus. And the church of God exploded. And it continues to do so today. There are, there are in the neighborhood of 200,000 people annually that are martyred directly because of their faith in Jesus Christ around the world. For their families, that is a tragedy. But in biblical terms, it is the fertilizer that continues to explode Jesus and the kingdom of God around the world. Would you and I have write the script a little bit differently? Absolutely. But God uses what appears to be horrible things for unbelievable purposes. If you haven't watched the movie, The End of the Spear, which depicts Jim Elliott and the missionaries that were down there, it was a tragedy for their family that was unimaginable. And the revival that came to a people group that had never heard the gospel and perhaps wouldn't have if God hadn't raised this band up, unbelievable. God's purposes are continuing to explode. Scattering is not without its sacrifice and its challenges, but it is with good reason that God commands us in Matthew 28, 19, to go, therefore. The question is, is there a hole in our gospel? Now, I'm a reader, love to read, and one of the books that I came across recently that someone from our school uh, gave to me is a book called The Hole in Our Gospel. So compelled by this book, I told my sons if they would read it and give me a page. Summary on this book, I'll give them $20 as a bookmark, all right? One of them has completed their assignment enthusiastically, and uh, the other that shall remain nameless still has homework. But uh, compelling, compelling read. Excuse me. In this book, it tells the compelling life story of Richard Stearns. Richard Stearns, up until a couple of years ago, was the president of Linux USA, makers of fine china and tableware, and was a very, very wealthy man. Was used to flying anywhere in the world first class, had a, a 10 bedroom old stone mansion. He was describing his life. Now, Richard was and is a very committed believer very involved in his church, very involved in giving to world vision and in other avenues, was a very committed disciple of Christ. But God tapped him on the shoulder and when world vision was needing a new president, Richard Stearns was being tapped and was being pursued. And it talked about the wrenching journey that he went through you know, to say yes to this, which he, I don't wanna give away the book, but you can imagine he said yes. Incredible story. Incredible sacrifice moving from that stone mansion on the East Coast to a far more humble circumstance on the West Coast and their, and their uh, headquarters in Seattle, Washington. But he tells this story and that the adventure for his life began. Now, can you be rich? Can you live in that mansion and still follow Jesus? Yes. But for him, Jesus had a far, far greater call than the life that he was living. And he said yes. But here's how Richard phrases it in the introduction. He says, I write this book from a very biased perspective. I believe that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And if Jesus was willing to die for this troubled planet, maybe, excuse me, maybe I need to care about it too. Maybe I should love the people who live on it more. 
Maybe I have a responsibility to do my part to love the world that Jesus loves so much. The idea behind the whole in our gospel is quite simple. It's basically the belief that being a Christian or follower of Jesus Christ requires much more than just having a personal and transforming relationship with God. It also entails a public and transforming relationship with the world. If your personal faith in Christ has no positive outward expression, then your faith and mine has a hole in it. And I think that's extremely well put. So does our gospel have a hole in it? Because it's not just about the gather, and it's definitely not just about me. What does God expect of me is the subtitle of this book, and it's a really quite a frightening read, but I encourage you to read it nonetheless. God has divine purpose in mind for each and every one of us, and I look at divine purpose as God's big yes. See, I was a youth pastor for a lot of years. And in working with young people, one reality that is true from my experience, both as a youth pastor and my life is this. It's a lot easier to say no to things that you should say no to when you have a really big compelling yes. Some people in their life never get beyond the legal requirements of their faith. Don't do that. Don't look at that. Don't you dare. And never get beyond the do's and don'ts. Now, there is a reason why God has given us commands. And it is for our good. It is to ensure our joy, not to take away our fun. Donnie Moore says it the best I've ever heard. God didn't come to take away your fun. He came to take away your pain. And when you get beyond God's protective commandments, it just leads to a whole lot of pain. So why go there? But you know what? Youth ministry was not just, youth ministry was God has these compelling purposes in mind for you. Why in the world would you muddle around in the mud? Sorry, when you've got this gigantic purpose that God has in mind for you. And the same is true for all of us. If you have never gotten beyond in your life, just gotta be obedient. You're not living the life that God has called you to live. And I encourage you, what is that compelling purpose? And it's different for everybody. For most, it's not going to be public. It's just going to be this behind the scenes, being faithful, loving your family, giving wherever you can, and you just have no idea the significance of those moments. Compelling picture that God has in mind, a big giant yes. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for us to do. Put another way, God has this empty canvas that is each of our lives, that he is wanting to paint this beautifully compelling picture on as we say yes to him. The beware of the scatter, really quickly, for you neurotic people like me that have to fill in every blank. Here you go. We'll go quickly here. Service in the kingdom of God is service for kingdom's sake, not just for service sake. There are a lot of people doing a lot of great things in our world, and I bless every one of them. But when we serve, our motivation is yes to meet needs, but we serve in the powerful name of Jesus, is that song 
was sung. The powerful name of Jesus with the love and compassion that he has given us for our world. We serve in Jesus' name. And beware of the tide that doesn't value the gather. We, we have the, the wonderful opportunity to be a part of a church fellowship that has a pastoral team that greatly values the gather and goes the extra mile to make this a delightful experience every Sunday. So beware of not valuing the gather because the gather is a good thing as we've talked. The Bible values the gather and so does Jesus and we need to as well.